Hello and welcome to the Music Survival Guide, the independent musician's guide on how to survive in the music industry. My name's Phil, a mixing and mastering engineer. Well, hello to you out there. I hope you're doing very, very well. This week I've got an interview and I think this is a really good one. There's a lot in here about um, just kind of working together as a band and that kind of collaborative spirit instead of there being one person in charge who does everything. It's the idea of working together and really kind of uniting behind what the band is doing. This week I'm chatting with Kyle of Ashenreach and Ashenreach in the UK rock music scene. I've gone meteorite quite quickly and it's really amazing to watch from a distance. So we chat about all sorts of things this week like what to do in between songs when performing. Hint, don't just look down at your tuners and ignore the world. That's not the way to do it. Dealing with illness as a singer when you're performing. How do you push forward and through that and still give a good performance? And finally, of course, we talk about the joys of Travel Lodge. Anyway, on with the interview. So this week on the podcast, I am joined by Kyle of Ashenreach. Kyle, how are you? I'm good, man. How are you? Very good. Got my cup of tea, so all, <laughs> so, all is well in the world. I've got all me, uh, well. I've got me Robinson's orange and mango juice. It's Ooh, out. <laughs> someone's got money, Robinson. <laughs> it's from B and M. It's fine. It's the cheap. Uh, uh, well, well, it's Lidl's own in my house. Yeah. That's all oh, I'm nice. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. <laughs> well. I'm not sure how I feel about this. Anyway, um, so my first question for you, as always, is from a random question generator I found online. So this this one feels quite profound to me. Um, so what's something you wish you'd figured out sooner? Oof. Okay. Something I wish I'd figured out sooner. Oh, that's a good question. It is, isn't it? I wouldn't know how to answer it myself. Oh, I don't. I don't know now. Oh, okay. The stuff that I'm like. How have I never known that, like, before? Like, um, like 1985 is a cover, you know, Bowling for Soup. Oh, is it? That, that's a cover. And, like, Natalie and Brulier's Torn is a cover. And I, I listened to the original, and the original is so much better. Like, Natalie and Brulier's co- um, cover of Torn is nowhere near as good as the original. So, yeah, maybe that one, because I was like, why didn't I know that sooner? Because I would have been listening to a good track. Yeah, maybe, yeah. There's loads of things about how to be an adult that I'd love to have learned just earlier in life. But Yeah, that's my one. I'm just like, yeah, just wish I heard that original version before. <laughs> yeah. I was listening to Jimi Hendrix all on the watch show yesterday, and I was just like, it's so much better than Bob Dylan. Some people will hate me for that, but it is. It just is. <laughs> yeah, it's a, good, it's a good song. I've not heard that in ages either, actually. Oh, well. I would highly recommend it. Anyway, uh, my first, uh, I guess, real question for you um, is how did you get into music in the first place? I've always been singing, like, as long as I can remember, like, since I was little and stuff like that. I was like, um, like, I've always been, like, into music, like, when I was a baby and stuff like that. Like, apparently I was, like, mad into Pavarotti. Obviously I don't remember because I was a baby, but there's, like, videos and stuff and I'm just, like, sat there just watching him or, like, singing along to him and stuff like that. I've always wanted to be, like... Before I like before I got into rock, I always wanted to be a singer. So like obviously like when I was younger and stuff, I'd be like, oh, I want to be in a pop band or something like that. You know, a little boy band. You know, I wanted to be in like whatever that was out at the time, like five or something like that. And then um, yeah, and then like I just I've always wanted to be a performer as long as I can remember. So I started like I used to sing in primary school and stuff like that. And then I started getting into rock. And then um, I was listening to it, like, started playing piano and stuff. And then I was about 14, 15. I got, uh, like, I was listening to Slipknot and stuff. And then I got proper into him when I was about 14. And then I was like, I want to be a drummer. So that's how I got into it. I got into pro- music properly was probably, will be Slipknot, yeah. Like, I was always, like, into singing and stuff. I like, wanted to do it. But, like, when I was, but I was like, right, I'm going into a band. I'm going to do it. Like, instead of being a dream, like, let's do this. It would have been Slipknot. I was a drummer. Been drumming about seventeen years now. Yeah, long time. <laughs> what made you choose to be a singer in this band? Well, maybe come on to how the band got together. But what made you choose to be a singer instead of a drummer this this time round? Well, I was all drumming. Like I, I wasn't driving at the time, so it was like really hard to like get me drums across and everything like that. You know, like when I was drumming for other bands and stuff. But I stopped singing when I was about. 
13, 14, you know, like, you know, basically when my voice broke and stuff like that, I lost all my confidence. And um, it was actually my mate that got me properly back into singing. He, he threw me under the bus, kind of, to get me in singing. It was, um, we were in college doing music, and I was, like, you know, learning um, B-Tech and popular music. And they were like, oh, we need one more singer, because I was already doing the drums. And like, right, we need another singer. And then my mate was like, oh, Kyle can sing. And I was like, no, I can't, stop. And then I had to do, I had to sing Ain't No Sunshine by Bill Withers. And then I started singing again. And then I started doing karaoke and stuff like that. And then I started slowly going out to drums, going out with the drums and started doing singing stuff. So I was singing, I was singing and playing drums in my old band when I was about 17. Yeah, called Empathy. I was doing backing vocals and drums. Or like sometimes I was doing the main vocal. Yeah, I was kind of doing the main vocal at the same time as drumming sometimes. And then I was in um I was in a, a duo then called Ginge and the Fringe. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was the fringe of <laughs> so uh but then I start I went into like I started singing more and then I ended up applying to be a Redcoat and Butlins and so I did a little bit of singing there. And then I moved over to Haven and I started doing like all oh, you know, like covers and pop stuff and everything like that. It wasn't what I wanted to do. It was, I wanted to sing, but it wasn't like that genre. And then after that, I joined to take that tribute. <laughs> so I did this is a very roundabout path. It's so mad. Yeah, I did take that <laughs> tribute. And then I was like, I want to sing rock again. So I ended up being in like a, like a metal covers band, but then it was like the original style was a bit more screamy, like really screamy, like kind of genty, like, and I didn't want to do it anymore. And then Ash and Reach were looking for a singer. And my mate Murph, um, she was like, she's like really like big on the scene over there. She was like, oh my God, why have I never thought of you two together? She was like, they're looking for a singer. You're looking for a band. So she interviewed, she got sent them my details and then they messaged me. And then they were like, oh yeah, can you drop us a track? Like send us one of our tracks. And I was like, yeah, yeah, sure. But I had a massive chest infection at the time. Oh, I was like, oh. I was like, oh no, what am I going to do? So I was like, I didn't want to go, oh, well, I've got a chest infection. Like, I best, like, oh, you know, I, I didn't want to make any excuses or anything because obviously, you know, first impressions. So I was just like, right, I've got a chest infection, but I'll tank it. Let's do this. So I sent um, a verse and a chorus of one of their old songs. And then they were just like, yeah, we'll have him. Because apparently, like, Paddy and that, they all, Paddy and Jess and that, they were like, oh, if this is him with an infection, how is he going to sound? Like, full you know like at full full strength and i was like ah oh, stop it and then um i had a i had a what's the name with them i had um uh like you know like a meet up you know like practice session with them and the rest is history after that like we just it was like it was just it's gonna sound super cringy but you know like it was like your soulmate band if that makes sense you know like you know like how people find their soulmate and stuff and you're just like this is it like yeah, like, when I met them and I felt like I knew them already and stuff like that. And then, like, it, we just clicked. And out of all the bands I've been in, this has been, like, the best one. Like, I've, I've, I've countless. There was a point where I was drumming for, like, seven bands at one point. Because, like, in, like, it was, like, Runcorn, there was, like, three drummers. So, like, it was like, oh, can you drum for us? Yeah, yeah, fine. <laughs> but, um... So I did like we did all right, like a tour and stuff like that. But this Ash and Reach is the the one where I'm like, nah, this is where we could go somewhere. Like we, it felt special. So you're um not an original band member? No, 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 no. I'm the second singer. There was uh, me and Joe. We joined roughly the same time. Joe joined first because, and then I joined about a month or two after. Because their singer and the guitar rhythm guitarist left, because like, they were just like, oh, you know, I want to try something different. Which, yeah. So um, they were just like, oh, we need the singer and the guitarist. So Joe joined them. That he again, he just clicked with them instantly. Like Joe's an absolutely unbelievable guitarist, and then I joined them, and it's just kind of we've just we've all got the same mindset of what we want to do. We want to do this as our career. We want to. 
we you know like we, we it's not a hobby to us like you know like some people like are in bands they just want to play and you know they're happy just playing it's like no we want to make a we want to do this for a living like we want to be able to live full-time performing music and writing music so we've all got that mind frame and it's nice because it's like you know we're all like super dedicated and everything like that and we're all like working stupidly hard and um it's just been it's i I generally feel like this like it we're going somewhere like there's people like it's it's been very weird because it's like we've been together two years it'll be three years in september or was it august no september yeah, it will be three years in September, and obviously, and most of that has been spent in lockdown. So it's been for where we are now. It's been absolutely insane. Like we can't believe how quickly it's come. You know, like just like how much we're like we're doing stuff like that, like playing Steelhouse Festival and been like supporting Phil Campbell and like Inglorious and being on the same bill as the Darkness and stuff like that. Like it's just absolutely mind blowing. That's pretty good. I mean, the darkness is one of those, but like those bands for me, they were like one of my early getting into rock bands. So they they've got a place in my heart, sort of forever. <laughs> uh, they were. I was like, I really liked the darkness when I was younger. And then as I got older, you know, when you just started to like stop listening to bands as much, but you still like them. Like I just kind of stopped listening to them, and I was like, and then when we were on the same bill as them, I was like, oh my god, the darkness, yeah, like they were they were great. And then I watched them, saw them live, and I was like. Oh, I fell in love with these again. Like, I was just like, you know, when you just kind of like, why have I been sleeping on these again for so long? Like, so I've been like, I've been really back into them. <laughs> yeah, they're great. They're great. I, I'd highly recommend seeing them live. Anyone listening who hasn't, um, they're great. They're really good. Yeah. Like, what a show that was when they played Rockstock, like last um, November. That was wild. I was just like, oh my God, these are incredible. <laughs> <laughs> so um as a band where where do you rehearse or how do you rehearse because i know there's lots of different ways and means that bands go about that kind of thing um we usually rehearse um either once or twice a week if we can like depending like if we're writing we usually do it to two times a week so i'll be like if we because we'll be gigging as well so we usually do like one day is usually like a fully focused on writing day and then the other day i'll be like right we need to get the show started like we try and make it the live show as much as a, f- a show as possible. So it's not just like, oh, you know, thank you. This is our next song. Thank you. Is our next song. Like we try and make it as like a full, however long it is, say like half hour, like a full performance from the second we start to the second we end. So even like in between tracks, we'll be like talking ideas. Like, um, like we've just tried a new one, like instead of me, like, talk and then going this is epiphany with like certain things stopping we'll get people sing along to the chorus a bit i'll be like right let me hear you and then stuff and then there's like like in edge of the throne there's certain stuff like i'll be like are you ready and then get the crowd and i'll go no are you flipping (laughs) are you flipping ready (laughs) there you go so i'm not swearing so i'll be like are you ready and then as i say ready they all kick in at the certain time and you're like stuff like that like little triggers we do and stuff um but we do that about either once or twice a week usually in liverpool because that's kind of like the central hub of us because we're all roughly around that area I think it's so underrated by many bands, the transitions between songs. Rehearsing and getting your music right is great, and you need to do that as a band, obviously. But it's there's nothing worse than the song stops, all the people with guitars and basses look down and start tuning, and then it's all sort of awkward for a minute before they start playing. Again. Yeah, that, that awkward silence. Like, we try and... It's painful. <laughs> yeah, even... But then... Yeah, because then it feels like... I've, seeing it with some bands where it just feels like they're just talking to the mates a little bit and you know like there's that weird dead air so it's like even when i'm like so we've tried to like cut that out because like we we watch all like we 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 what's the word of like research like so we'll be like watching like i'll be i've been sit there watching like slipknot's my favorite band of all time so i'll be watching their live shows but I, i won't be like trying to copy him i'll just be like taking notes like to see like um like the same when i watch live bands like the big bands and stuff like that i'll be like okay what do they do like um when we saw those damn crows like um they've been getting so much hype and i was like and i like the music i was like i was like they're good music but everyone goes on about them live so i was like all right let's i want I'm, when they were playing live they were playing the sunday at rockstock when we were there so i was like all right then 
and it just felt like a class because I was just sat there watching them, like taking it all in, going, okay, like that's okay. I can see why they're so big, like why everyone's going nuts because their show felt like a full show the whole way through. It wasn't just like, you know, like the, oh, fuck you, here's our next song and stuff like that. It just felt like a big show. They, they were absolutely incredible live. So yeah, like we try, so we try and make it as much as a show as we can as well. So, but like, even if I'm just like talking, like talking, you're know, like talking about the merch or something like that, like thanking the, thanking the, you know, like thanking the, the, the bar staff and everything or thanking the other bands and everything, they'll be playing something in the background, you know, like just something that just fills it up a little bit. Yeah. The, the band who comes straight to mind when I start talking about transitions between songs in a live setting is Shinedown. Have you ever seen Shinedown? I have. Um, I've seen them a few times at Download, I think. I've been usually so hammered. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm like, I have? I think so. I've seen Miles Get- No, I know. I've, I'm thinking of Alter Bridge now. Um, yeah, have I seen Shinedown? Maybe? I can't remember. I, think I, I would have. highly recommend it. They're about to release an album, so they'll do a tour. The thing about shine down is they they do that thing you're talking about between songs where um they've got a separate singer so he can focus on talking but the other three members just start jamming a song and it, it just just a thing and they start layering bits and they've got pedals that they use just for that kind of stuff and then they they i don't know how they do it but they all kind of clearly have internal clocks so they've rehearsed these things and it just stops at the right point and then the song starts and it's i've just i've just never seen anyone do it better if i'm really honest they're they're amazing for that kind oh, of thing i'm sure i've seen them I've, i can't remember okay you know yeah i'll see him again but, but well, i'm sober now so like i don't drink anymore so if i see him i'll be like oh yeah i could remember now <laughs> i'm sure there's stuff on youtube as well oh yeah i'll check them out like i'll have a proper check out of them speaking of gigs what was your first gig with the band like were you were you nervous because you were coming into something already established or i've been i not really because it was like I've been gigging since I was 15. Um, I'll be, I'm 33 in April. So I've been doing it a long time and stuff like that. So I got excited. It was a bit like, oh, I hope the, the fans like, obviously, because you've got like that worry of like, well, the fans like me as the new singer and stuff like that. Um, but luckily, our first ever, our first gig as this lineup was um, my hometown. So like in Runcorn, so it's um, and Witnesses right next to it. So it was kind of like Joe's hometown gig as well. So it was like it was like because you got like Witnesses just over the bridge, like it's five minutes away if that, and it was packed to the rafters, and it was such an unbelievable gig. It was amazing. Like I think the first song I was a bit nervous, but then once I heard the crowd, it would just felt right. But I didn't, I didn't really feel that nervous because like, again, like I've been doing it for years, but I also felt safe with the with the guys you know what i mean like I, I felt like it was just like yeah like i was like we're all we've all we all can read each other so it's like you know there's never like oh i'm gonna bang into you or anything like that you know like we've all kind of like in sync with each other like um so i felt confident i felt like you know like if even if a dude slip up i know they've got my back or anything like that like um and we're like, oh, we, I knew like we wouldn't bump into each other or anything like that because we're like, we've just become so in sync. Then actually someone commented about it. We were doing a, where were we playing? I can't remember. We were playing, was it Savfest? Might have been Savfest. And this guy was like, really like your show. He was like, but I thought the, chore the choreography was a bit much. And he went, what choreography? <laughs> like, he went, well, you all started like, in sync headbanging and we were like where were you we had no idea but then like when we've seen the video we watched the video back and we went oh yeah just all of us like all like um all of five of us at the same time just went duh, 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 and just started headbanging and it did look pretty good to be fair but it, it also did look a bit like you know like oh let's let's headbang at this point or anything but no that was just that was just us in sync it was boss <laughs> yeah fair enough can't fake that kind of thing. Well, you can fake that kind of thing, but you you did it naturally. So, um, so that was a really good gig experience. Have there been any uh, nightmare experience gigs where things went wrong or awry? Um, and you can omit details if you like, as you need. <laughs> not like there's not been like any gigs where I've been like, oh my god, that was awful. Oh wait, there was one where I was person. I felt awful myself. Like um, we were playing. We played Webfest. And I had the worst hay fever attack. 
like, my throat had gone, my eyes were, like, closed over, and, like, I've, I was, like, and it'd already been pushed back loads, you know, due to, like, COVID and stuff, and this was, um, well, it was the Web Fest, it, I think it was it to promote the CD, the, there's, a, there's a new wave of classic rock CD, and I think it was to pre-order that, so it was, like, we were doing, like, a live Web Fest in the studio, so I couldn't drop out like uh, so i was just like right i'm gonna have to power through my eyes are bright red like my throat's gone i couldn't hit any of the notes so like i powered through like and stuff like that but personally i thought that was probably the, i felt heartbroken at the end of it i could have cried <laughs> but that's like but that people are like oh no it sounded really good but i'm listening back to it i still listen back to it i'm like oh no oh no listen back to it. <laughs> <laughs> i know but it's just there now on the internet so i'm just like but yeah um yeah, there's, we've had moments where it's like, there was like a phase where for some reason the guitarist's strings would just snap every gig. And we were just like, why? What's going on? Because they're like... Was it a cursed guitar? We, we don't know. It was it, it was, must have been like a cursed pack of strings or something like that. And um, I, like, I've got a little lucky stone that I take with me. And they, like, um, Paddy and Joe used would... Um, like Paddy would like mainly take the mick out of it. Oh, it's only a stone, and then the string started snapping. And I'm there going, You're taking the mick out of the stone. That's what it is. Don't bully the stone. <laughs> and then he doesn't do it anymore, and the strings don't snap. So it's either fluke or the stone works. <laughs> stone clearly works. <laughs> yeah, that's entirely fair. As as a as a singer, when you encounter things like hay fever and colds, and there's a gig, and you kind of just need to go up and perform. Is, is there anything you do? Do you do? You, is there anything you take to help you kind of clear your throat a bit, or what, what do you do about that kind of thing? Warm ups mainly, like warm ups are the big ones. Like, like make sure your throat is as warmed up as possible. Um, vocal zones are a lifesaver. I swear by them. I know some people don't. Some people are like, oh no, don't use vocal zones. But I, I, I think they're a lifesaver. The vocal zones. I've got a little steamer as well, so I'll try and keep myself steamed. I'll put myself on vocal rest so I won't really speak until I need to warm up and stuff like that. Um, drink as much warm water as I can, you know, like honey and lemon and stuff like that. And then how is, how, like, I used to be really, like, it has to be note perfect. It's got to be note perfect every time. But then I've also got to be bouncing around and stuff, you know, because like, I don't want to just stand there. And it was actually Joe who said it. He was like, you can't have both perfectly, no matter, no one can. So it's like, if I know my voice isn't going to be up to scratch, like if I'm, you know, I like say like, like the, the heavy thing, I'll probably focus more on the performance side of it. So it's like, you know, like, so people don't really like, or I'll kind of like change the notes a little bit. Like, like if I know I'm not going to hit a note, I won't do it. I'll sing it, but I'll like, try and think in my head like okay let's try that in a different way maybe change the pattern a little bit maybe start going into a bit of a scream or something like that because if because if i try and do the big note it's and it, I, I know for a fact it isn't going to work it's just going to sound bad it's like um like that indeed is it adina menzel she did let it go she did it live in on new year's eve and she went for the big note oh <laughs> it's like honestly watch it it's like, it's, it's so bad, but I'm like, what? Thing is, all she had to do was just go lower. Like, you know, I just, instead of doing the big note, it, uh, she just kind of goes like, let the star reach out. And you're like, oh, but she holds it and everything. And you're just like, oh no. I, I've like, that's such a bad note. Like, like, so yeah, I, I've I ever seen that live. I'm like, I'll make sure I never do that. If I know I can't do it, I won't go for it. I'll just do like a different note. But if I'm performing and stuff on stage and you know, like putting on a show, no one kind of notices. So, because I'm, I'm entertaining them a different way. It's the thing I've heard. I can't remember where I heard it about um, performing live versus performing in the studio. In the studio, you're doing something that's going to be heard, hopefully, lots and lots and lots and lots and lots. And it's this one performance. So it needs to be right. But the live performance, you're doing it once. And if you, if you, if there is a, you know, if you do hit a duff note, whatever you're doing, whatever you're playing, uh, whatever you're singing, um, just, just don't dwell on it, move on. And just as long as you're doing a good performance, people will enjoy it. That's the fundamental, isn't it? Yeah. As long as you're bopping around, given the energy, it's like, 
for me, I think the live shows has to be all about the energy. Like, people don't just want to hear the track the same because if they want to hear it exactly the same, they're just going to listen to it on CD. You go for the live show. Well, what I think is you go for the live show to ha feel that energy and thingy and you know, like enjoy yourself and stuff like that and have a dance and have a boogie and stuff. You know, like just or just have a good time, have a party. So it's like I won't like sit there and go, right, I'm just gonna stand here and do all the notes and sound perfectly and stuff like that. Like there's there's moments of that, you know, like like an um like an epiphany near the end where I do the big note, I will just I'll kinda like stand, but I'll be like I'll put myself in like a power standard stance so you know so you know it's like the okay, that's the standard time. But like most of the other time I'm just headbanging or bopping. Like my neck is still sore from the gig we did on Friday. Like, yeah, I'm still like, oh, like sore because we just went for it. First, gig gotta be careful with your neck. Oh yeah, first gig of the year, like my lower back as well, because like proper going for it. But like, yeah, first gig back of the year, so I was like, let's, I got a bit too excited. Gave myself a stitch halfway through the show, so I'm there, like trying to, I'm trying to sing while trying to like rub off a stitch. I'm there going, oh, I'm in so much pain. But, try but yeah, trying to make sure like they don't notice I'm in agony. <laughs> Well, good times, eh? Good times. <laughs> so changing the subject, to be honest, quite a bit. How do you write songs as a band? How do you go about that kind of process? So you said that when you're songwriting, you tend to have two rehearsals a week so that you can focus on songwriting for one of them. But what practically do you do? Um, usually one of us will have an idea or something. Or like we'll message each other. Like um, we're currently like throwing ideas for our next EP. So I've been like, <clears throat> I wrote, I had some lyrics in my head, so I wrote them down and I went to Paddy, I was like, oh Paddy, I've got some lyrics here, what do you think of this? And then we were like shooting off ideas. It's, um, for the writing process, it's like, none of us stick to our roles, if you know what I mean. Like, it's not like, okay, well, Paddy and Joe are the guitarists, they have to do the guitars, or Jess is the drummer, she can only do the drums, or, you know, like, or whatever, like, only I can do lyrics, or something like that. Because we feel like if all five of us do it together and chip in, you're like, not like, what? I say chip in, you know, like all like throw ourselves together. We feel like we can make a song we're all happy with. <clears throat> so it's not like there's no, there's no lead writer. Like we're all quite equal. So like, um, like I think there was only, there's only three songs where one of us did all the lyrics. Like, Alive Again and Homecoming, I wrote all the lyrics to that. And then Here I Go, Paddy wrote all the lyrics to. Because, like, they were the quite personal ones to us. But, like, other times, like, Epiphany and stuff like that, or um, Holding the Sky, like, we'll have, like, uh, we'll all kind of feel the vibe of the song. And then we'll all, like, uh, we'll write stuff, and then someone will go, oh, what about this as a line? Or, like what about change this to this or same with the riffs or the drum beats. Like they'll be like, we'll write a beat and we'll like, they'll do a beat and we'll be like, maybe try and hit it this way or something. And then like, we'll, when it gets to the point where all five of us are happy, that's when we'll go, right, that song's done. That song's wrote. But even then, like some, some of the stuff changes, like broken column is different live than it is recorded because we've made it a little bit longer. Like at the end of, broken column it ends but when we do it live when it does the fast riff that goes into half time with the drums it goes on longer and then me and paddy do like this really long scream because it kind of like because everyone's kind of like we would notice everyone was moshing live so we added it longer and then when it proper kicks in and drops to like the the bass goes a bit half timey while the riff's still going on and just drops the drums to like half time it gets dead chunky and then it kicks back into the full speed again and then it ends. And it's just like that, you know, like them little bits where we just go, oh, yeah. But yeah, um, but yeah, like all five of us do the do the writing, really. Like there's where I think it makes a better song because we're all contributing. So we're, we're all super passionate about the song instead of having like a lead writer just does everything and then you just play it. It just it just feels like it's a cover for your own band then really. You know what I mean? Like when you have like, I've been in a band where I've had like one person that will just do everything and I've just not felt the love because I've not been able to contribute where, 
because all five of us contribute and really contribute to it it's, there's no like there's no one member that doesn't throw a load in or we're all super passionate about all the songs and stuff because we all believe in it that helps <laughs> very much helps it's it's quite unusual i think there's a lot more bands who do it the way you just described where there's one two people who take the the lion's share of the songwriting and there's some other band members who tend to just kind of tag along for one of a better phrase yeah yeah it, we we don't if if it just feels that like, i don't want to feel like well, none of us want to feel like we're just like a session musician in in our own band. You're like, here you go, just play this. No, it's like because we we want to write it. We're all super passionate. We write about the stuff that we the songs all have meanings to us as well. So we all get super into it, and like they all have a special meaning to us all. So like we all like feel it. Like um like there's one of the songs we're writing at the moment. Um. We were like, we were, they were playing the riffs and stuff, and they were like, right, what are we thinking vocally? And I was like, what do you think about? Obviously, I won't see spoilers or anything. I'm not gonna see spoilers. So I'll be like, do you all get? I was like, do you all get this certain vibe about this song? And they were like, yeah, I do get that vibe. I was like, okay then, shall we write about that vibe that we're all feeling? And we're like, yeah. So that's like, we'll all like chip in with the lyrics and all the writing, and we've we've all got that vibe. We're all on the same page, so we can write it together. That's a good way of doing it. Do you? find that um the lyrics especially are sort of in flux all the way until it's recorded or do they tend to get set fairly quickly it's mainly the syllables that will probably get set so like um we'll be like like say like um we're writing a song i'll be like humming along to it like broke up i was like and i'd be like right how many syllables is that and then we'll write it and then it might change later on we might go maybe change that word to that word or something like i think we changed a couple of i think we may have changed some of the words even when we're recording <clears throat> like even when we record and gone like i've done something and gone can i try it a different way and then we'll like try it a different way and then we'll be like yeah that works <laughs> so yeah it usually changes until the recording probably even when the re yeah even when we're recording if we get a different vibe for the song you like a new idea or something but then but then once it's recorded, we stick to it. Sometimes I might change the the melody of the vocals a little bit when live, you know, just kind of throw it up, a, you know, throw it, throw it around a little bit, make it a bit more different. But yeah, yeah, I'd say probably right up until recording, even then, like midway, we'll be like, oh wait, change it. No, <laughs> I've got a better line. I think that's I think that's good for some bands to hear because some bands they think that the only way you can write music is maybe you all get in a room. And you spend a while putting us on together, and when you finished, that is it, and it cannot change, and it cannot be done differently. Oh no, yeah, we like if we'll write it, and then we'll change the vibes and stuff like that. We also don't want, like, we don't like to throw a time limit to when we, you know, like when the it's coming out, because we feel like if we go, if we force ourselves to write, we don't think we'll have the best stuff, because you know you're trying too hard. If you know what I mean, like you go right, we need something now. So, and you get the writer's block where we'll all just, we'll, as soon as we've got a load of ideas, that's when we go, right, let's go in the rooms, let's rehearse and we'll, we'll throw ideas to each other. And that's how we've been doing it. Because if we all, we all come in with different ideas, it's not just like, right, let's start writing now. What should we do? <laughs> That'd be terrifying. Yeah. It, 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 I've, I've been in, I've, again, I've done like one of my very first bands. That's how we would write. It was like, Okay, what are we gonna do today then? Uh, and then we end up just jamming out covers, and then go, oh wait, I've got a riff now. <laughs> and then I'll be like, it sounds like that riff we just played. <laughs> but yeah, um, it's it's I love it. It's the the way that the way we write now, like how we do the ideas and stuff. I, I love it. It's super exciting because it could be it could be in the middle of the day or it could be like three in the morning. One of us will get a message going, I have an idea. And it's just like, sound, throw the idea away. They like throw the, not the throw away, like throw the idea to us. And then we bounce off each other and stuff. And then we go into the room and be like, here's the ideas we've been messing with. I love it. It's so fun. <laughs> Do you find that you, um, end up writing as many songs as you need for say an album or do you write way more and then try and whistle them down to the amount that you're thinking? Yeah. Um, we have it's a bit different like i don't know actually because when we did homecoming because obviously with lockdown 
being really strict. It was kind of hard for us. So when we wrote the 11, like when we wrote the 10, we were like, well, there's our 10. That's our 10 then. But then Ether came in as we went, because we were like, as we were recording it, we went, pray to here I go is a very big jump. You know, I can change the vibe. So that's where Aoife came and Joe and Paddy wrote all that. They were just like, they were, they just went into a room. It was just like, let's just twiddle away with like really nice, you know, like, like really ethereal sound and things and stuff like that. And then that's how Aoife came into play. Um, we did have some songs that we have scrapped. Like there was, um, there was a, what's name? Like there was a, a song, but it sounded a bit too, a bit too bluesy rocky for what we were going for like our vibe our vibe changed as we were writing the album like you can hear it like tear it down to like tear it down was the first song we wrote and then broken column was the last song we wrote and you can see you can see from that album how it changes you can hear the differences in how we kind of found our sound but yeah, there was some songs where we're like, we really like that, but then we've scrapped it because we were just like, mm, is it, I'm not vibing it anymore. <laughs> like we were just, again, it was just like, unless all five of us were happy, but there wasn't like a, a point where like one, one would be like, no, I'm not happy. So we're not doing it. It's never been like that. It'll just be like, well, let's discuss it. And like, we always do like a, a, a vote. It's always, yeah, there's been, yeah, no arguments or anything when it comes to like writing music and that it's been super, super healthy. I love it. It's refreshing. And I think that's how, what it translated well with the album because it was like we were super like all happy with it with how we did. And of course, you can always come back and reuse bits of those scrap songs. Like you can go, oh, actually, let's this works here. Let's use this. Yeah, there was. Um, yeah, there was. I think I think it might have been Epiphany with the. I think that riff was something else, and then that riff became that. And we're like, we'll, we'll always reuse stuff. We'll go, let's go back. We might go back to that riff later in another time. We'll go back to them lyrics and then maybe try and see what we can do. You know, maybe go like, come back at it with a fresh new angle or something. It's never been like, right, that's in the bin, never again. But yeah, so like, who knows? Like in the new EP, we might reuse some of it or we might like, uh, it might all be completely different or like stuff. But it's all stuff no one's heard besides us. So yeah, everything, whatever you'll get is all brand new but it's only stuff we've heard. <laughs> <laughs> so to um, track the kind of process forward, I guess. So you've, you know, as a band, you, you write the songs, as you say, in the way you do, and then it comes to recording. So when it comes to recording, do you tend to record yourselves or go into the studio? How do you approach that and why? Yeah, we always go, we'll go into the studio and stuff like that. Um, we will always rehearse it live and stuff. When we record it, though, we want to make sure we can do it live as well. So we'll always, but we won't like, we won't record ourselves then go into the studio. Like we'll always go into it and then do it slightly separately, one at a time and stuff like that. When we've done it, so it's usually Jess, like usually Jess will do the drums and that with Paddy and Joe playing over it, and then we ignore them and then we do all their own little bits and that. Like we'll be like, you know, we won't use them takes and then we'll do that. But usually it's, yeah, we, all, we go into the studio instead of, like, yeah, recording. Yeah, it's, um, it's good. It's fun. <laughs> Do you just find it a more kind of creatively fulfilling way to go about things as opposed to just recording everything at home? Yeah, we love it. it you get the, the vibe when you're in the studio. Like, um, the, like Loic was our producer for the, al for the album and he is an actual wizard. Like a, a genuine wizard. And um, so it's like, he was kind of like, he was kind of like the sixth member at that point because he was throwing ideas with us as well because he got, su he's super passionate and he could, f he was, he was feeling that passion with us because it, so he'd be like, what about this as an idea? And it was really nice because it was giving us a fresh, you know, like a fresh a view on something. And he was like, um, and when you're in the, the setting of a proper studio as well, it gets the best out of you because you're not just like, oh, it's just a, you know, like a home recording or something like that. Like, um, you, you know, you've got the, you're in the, you've got the, all the gear there. You've got, you're in, you're, you're in the, the proper recording studio and it makes you push yourself even more to get the best out of yourself. He got the best out of us by 
doing some weird stuff as well. <laughs> he was like, during Heir to the Throne, he was I was doing the verses and he was like, right, um, he gave me some dumbbells and was like, pump, pump the weights. And he was like, it'll change your breathing. I was like, okay, so I'm I'm literally like pumping weights while I'm singing. And it, it worked. I was like, what is going on? And then like um in Homecoming, there's like the quiet bit was super sad. And he was just like, right, we need to get you super sad now. And then I had to look at some like real like photos and stuff. Of, and I was like, oh God, like nearly crying. Trying <laughs> it worked, like got some like super emotionalness out of me. And then it was like when we did pray. I was like, don't look at me while we do it. Because it was like, because Prey's super dark. It's about, you know, like about a guy stalking a, a stalking his obsession and killing her. And there's a bit where he starts just like freaking out, rocking and screaming and stuff like that. And at first I was like, oh, everyone's watching me. But so they kind of like blocked it so they couldn't see me. And he was just like, just go wild. So just, just let yourself go. Yeah, so I'm just there like, like cap the headphones on. I'm just there, like rocking, headbutting the walls, screaming and stuff like that. You're like trying to get the best out of it, like getting proper into it. And it was just, it was madness. There was like, um, I think even with the guitars and stuff like that, he was like try it with a sponge and stuff like that. And it was just like, like getting all these like it was you know like stuff we would never have thought of. So with him as well, it was he was throwing this like mad dynamic to it and giving us like getting the best out of us, and it worked so well. So yeah, like the, it, we'll always go studio every time, just because it, it it gets us to show our true potential. Because we're we're you know, like we're in that mindset, we're in that frame. It's like kind of like you know what, like working from home versus working in the office, really, isn't it? Like when you're in an office and stuff, you kind of like focused a bit more. Well, like if you're at home, you're just a bit more relaxed and stuff. So yeah, that's yeah. Long, long way around it, yeah. <laughs> it's 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 interesting because um, as as a mixing engineer, when I when I get tracks from bands, I tend not to think about how it's recorded. I just kind of go, well, you know, they've chosen to do it, whatever it is, here it is, on we go. But when you're in the studio and the, you're the producer as well, you know, he he had him thinking about how to get the best out of um, these performers and how to um, get the the kind of musical ideas down so that you can be heard in the best possible way that captures the emotion of it not just the the pure sound of it as it were yeah totally totally agree he was proper like he was so invested into it as well so it was like like it was nice because it was like it was like you know like when you're on your own and stuff you just you'll just be like you go for it you know you record and stuff like that if you're recording yourself and that but he was like I want the best out of you as well. It was like, go ahead. It was like, nice. It was like, yes. So it was like, he was pushing us. There was like stuff like, and even maybe going, why don't you try, you know, this way? You're like, try, you're like, maybe try and go a bit higher. And like, and then like, cause when it came to the parts, like harmonies and stuff, he would help as well. He was like, maybe try this harmony. And we were like, mm, that's all work and stuff like that. It was, it was, it was oh, one of the best experiences ever doing that. It was super warm now. That's the only problem with that studio. It was um, during the heat wave and with, and it was lockdown. It was like middle of lockdown. Like, um, well, you know when you were allowed out, but everything was like, you're allowed to do stuff, but you can't be, you can only be in one room at a time on your own and stuff. So the mixing room, when we were there first time doing Tear It Down and Pray, um, there was no lockdown. This was before the pandemic like just before it um we were all in a nice central controlled room you're like proper like proper like air conditioned effort so you felt really nice and then we couldn't be in that room because of you know, like social distancing and stuff like that and their studio is like is like a greenhouse but the chilling room it's a big open plan like room like where you chill but it's upstairs so, oh my God, the sweat was horrendous. We were all trying to find dark corners of little you know, like rooms, just hiding it. Just going, I'm so, I'm, I'm hiding. There was, I was like, oh, I was gutted because I was like, 
you know what? I'm going to treat myself to this chocolate bar at the end because I'm about to finish me recording. Pop it on the side. Got there. Liquid. I was like, no. <laughs> I was heartbroken. <laughs> Did you just have a messy time? I, I just bit it. I was like, nah, I'm devastated. I was devastated. It was, I, it was gone, gone. There was no, there was no saving it. I couldn't even, if I popped it, popped it in the fridge, it just, nah. It was, it was, it was dead. It like, yeah, it was like, like Anakin, you know, when he's in, in Star Wars, where he's like on the fire. Like that was pretty much what it was. I'm pretty sure it started shouting, I hate you. <laughs> like, <laughs> there yeah. we go. I find that deeply <laughs> controversial, but yeah, each to their own. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I'm going to, everyone's going to kick off now. What do you mean? You binned it. <laughs> it's going to be the main talking point of this. Exactly. No. Oh God. Oh my god! I'm gonna. I'll, I'll end up cancelled or something. He binned the chocolate. Binned the chocolate. It's terrible. <laughs> Moving subjects again. How is the band managed? So, is there a single person who sort of takes charge of everything, or do you share out tasks, or how do you go about that kind of thing? Um, we share out tasks, but Jess is like she's the brains behind it all. We um we don't have like a manager or anything, but um anything that's like. We always, we'll try and like, like if we get gigs and stuff, like we'll, a couple of us will like thingy, like some, like I'll have either me, Jess or Paddy and that will sort out the gigs and stuff. But when it comes to like the merch and everything like that, it's usually, it's more, nine times out of 10, it'll be Jess. Like she's the, she's like, she's pretty much the boss. Not like, the, you know, not the boss, but you know what I mean? Like, like if we go, yeah, she's, she's the brains. Yeah. She's the brains of it all. Like, um, she does so much for the band and everything like that because she's super passionate about it all. So, like, all the merch is all over at hers and stuff like that. Like, her and her dad and her mom, they're, like, super, like... Her mom and dad are so invested with the band as well. It's, like, you're, like, they're super supportive. They'll always help out as much as they can. Like, um, like it's a, it's incredible with them. Like, they they help out a lot and they do so much for us. Like, Joe... Um, Jess's dad will always come to gigs with us. He'll drive us and be the roadie and stuff, or he does our photography. But he also sorts out where we're staying, so the accommodation and stuff like that. So it, this, it he'll help out, and he'll be like, right, okay, we're going to stay at this travel lodge and stuff like that. Um, anything that's, like, merch-wise and, like, social media-wise, like, Jess will do a lot of that, and Paddy will do a lot as well. And um, But, like, we try and, like, split it off. You know, like, try and help out and split it off and stuff like that. But um, but yeah, I'd say it's mainly Jess. She's like the brains of it all. <laughs> Usually, yeah, if they go who they like, well, they'll be like, oh, who who needs this? I'll be like, give it to Jess. She's the one. She'll sort that out. <laughs> yeah, she yeah, she's the one in control of everything. Like she she knows all that. Leave <laughs> yeah. Where oh, this is this is this is the weirdest and most left of field question I've ever asked on this podcast. I reckon. Wh- where's the best place you've stayed when touring? Ooh. Oh, that's a good question. Okay, so the there's I have got favorites, not like favorite areas, like um, but maybe like, I love a good travel lodge. Like Premier Inn beds and all oh, right, but travel lodge beds are always comfy. I love a travel lodge bed; it's super comfy. There was one we played. What was it called? The not like we stayed there. It was the Ram Hotel. What are they called? Ramada Ramada Hotels. Ramada Hotel is the place. Is it Ramada? It's like a chain of hotels. Looks beautiful when you go in. You're like, oh, this is fancy. This is really nice. And then the bed was like rock hard. And I was just like, oh, it's the worst sleep I've ever had. There was a, we stayed at, we stayed at Best Western just before Planet Rockstock. Again, super nice, but the bed was too soft. So I sank into it and it was like, I kind of end up sleeping curved, you know, like kind of like curved up a bit. And I was like, it's too soft. But travel lodges are perfect. I love a good travel lodge. You sound, you sound very particular about your choice of bed. That's that's. Oh, I do. It's, I, I need. A, I need a good sleep. I need. But yeah, like I'd say, yeah, travel lodge was nice. Um, it's a, we. I'll, yeah, best place we stayed is travel lodge. We go to so many services as well, and we have like certain services we like, and certain ones we avoid. Sandbatch services we avoid like the plague because we feel like we're cursed in that one. Our van broke down in that one and everything. We and we're just like no, never again. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, we mainly stay at Travel Lodge just because we know it's always nice there. It's a good price and it's. I feel like I'm sponsored by them. I'm not. 
I mean, if they want to sponsor us, then fine, go for it. That'd be amazing. <laughs> I'll be every gig. Thank you to Travel Lodge for uh, <laughs> for putting us up. <laughs> oh, some bands are sponsored by Marshall, some by Gibson, but Asher Reach is sponsored by Travel Lodge. I w- oh, that would be amazing. It, it would cut your costs a lot. I'd say that exactly. If Travel Lodge are listening to this, go on, give us a sponsor. That'd be boss. <laughs> Uh, you never know. I mean, I, if I'm really honest, I doubt they're listening, but you never know. Never know. Who knows? Maybe. Fingers crossed. So maybe a more serious question. I don't know. What's um, What, in your opinion, has been the biggest success of the band so far? Rockstock. Without, like, playing Planet Rockstock last year, um, and without a shadow of a doubt, that was something else. Um, the album, obviously, coming out was amazing. You know, like, the album is what um, got us, like, you know, like people funded it. Um, tear it down. When we released Tear It Down, we didn't expect it to get the response it was going to get. We thought, you know, get a couple of hundred views, maybe 2,000, something like that. You know, like, you know, like just like, you know, like maybe that over a month or something, you know, because we were like really like, you know, this was our first video and stuff like that. But that shot up to, I think it was 28,000 views within a week. And we were just like, what is going on? And then the new wave of classic, new wave of classic rock guys got onto us, and we were just like, "Oh, who are these Ash and Reach?" And then they all started supporting us and stuff like that. And then we did a Kickstarter for the album, and there was people from like a grand in and a hundred pound and stuff. We were like, "What is going on?" So then the hype came, and then the album came out, and then like people were going. And then we played a few gigs. People were going, "Oh, you need to see Ash and Reach; they're really good live." But I think Rockstock is where people went. Oh, okay. That was that actually took me back. Like I was, I like I was like shocked by the response of it because we were meant to be playing on the Sunday, but I think Florence Black was headlined the Sun Saturday second stage, but they got moved to the first stage. I think if I remember right. So they went, "Do you want to? Do you want to do the Saturday headline the second stage?" We were like, "Yes, yes, we do." Uh, hmm. Do we want to do the Sunday or the Saturday where everyone's going to be? Yeah, we'll do the Saturday. And then, um, and we we were like, we were like, we said to ourselves, we were like, right, this is the gig we need to prove ourselves, because we were like, a lot of people were going, we like your album, now you got to prove to it live. So you're like, we were still at that weird phase of, a lot of people know us, but they haven't seen us, like you know, because of lockdown and stuff, they haven't really seen us live. So we 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 still had a lot to prove, but Rockstock shot us up, I think. Like, um, we played Rockstock, the place was. Like I've like it was rammed to the rafters. I've never seen so many people in like a, such a room. It was like oh my god, and it was nervous at first. I actually got nervous. Like I never really get nervous, but that time I was like oh here we go. I was like okay, and then as we came on, the whole place erupted. We were like what is going on? And like about five six hundred people just sing along to us and stuff like that. Um, and then we got them all jumping during out to the throne and the. People were telling us the floor, the da- it's like a raised dance floor, and that started to bend, like it was bending, you know, jumping, which then became like a rumor. So people were like, "Oh, you're the like the floor was bending to it evolved to you're the band that broke the floor." <laughs> we were like, "Yes, yes, we were," and um, we gave that was the gig of our lives. We were absolutely going like uh, over the top, like. Joined homecoming i nearly cried because just hearing them back I, w- I was like right your turn you know like sing along you know just about to do the chorus i was like your turn and there was a few diehard fans there you know like wearing our merch and stuff like that that was amazing and um so i was expecting just them maybe singing it you know because we were still at this like people heard us but not like we're still like you know getting there and the whole place just shot dead loud singing the song like I've got uh, one of the one of our fans was filming it, and you could actually see my face just drop with like what is going on. Like I just I I actually stopped performing for a second to kind of go like what is going on. You're like, and they were all going like sing along, and then the whole place was going wild, and then I think we nearly sold out of all of our merch within like an hour. Like we only had like forty five minutes to an hour to sell our merch. And, um, like, Joe was meant to do the photography, but, like, um, Attic Theory went to us and was just, went to Joe and was just like, um, 
there's people already queuing up after the first song, you know, to buy the merch. So Joe couldn't really take as many photos because he was having to do the merch. And then Haxon, really good friends of ours, like we were on tour with Haxon. They ended up jumping on and helping us with the merch. And it was a point, there was a point there was like 10 of us selling merch because the line was huge. And that's probably like the best thing that's happened with like Rockstock by far was then, because when we did that, um, this, the guys from Steelhouse came up to us and was just like, we need to talk. And we were like, okay. And then they, they offered us a slot. So we're, and then, so it was like, they offered us the Steelhouse slot. So keeping that a secret was like, oh my God. And then obviously it's all out now. So I can talk about it. It's fine. <laughs> but yeah, like the Rockstock is what's done the best for us. Definitely. Like what, a, that was amazing. Like the album was great and that. Like obviously can't like love that. But I think the performance of Rockstock is what, shot us a bit further you know like, that made people go okay yeah it was i'm still like i still can't believe it when it happened i was just we came off stage we were like did that just happen like what's going on like it was it was absolutely insane like because i think i came across the band just before the album so it must have been one of your singles and i kind of went oh these, these are quite good and then um the new wave of classic rock group just started talking about the band endlessly when the album came out that's what it felt like it felt like kind of i discovered you and then everyone discovered you and then i was like oh cool apparently these band this band is now very well known and i'm not sure how that happened it's we don't even know either we were just like where's it all just come from it's like we were in uh we were playing in london in camden and pe people stop us now people are just like oh it's ash and reach and we were and we're there just like oh you're right it's, it, it still doesn't feel real it feels like a dream like um i i saw saxon the other week i saw saxon yeah it was 28th of jan was it yeah yeah 28th of jan i saw them in manchester apollo and some guy went to me and was just like kyle from ash and reach and i was just like wow what's going on like what is this this is and then i ended up having a photo with him and that and it was just like i like that's never happened like you know like before this band that none of that's ever happened so it's just mad he was like oh yeah i've seen you on the new wave of classic rock and that and i'm just like ah there it is that's where <laughs> them them there's a lot of people in that group now yeah oh, they've they've been absolute the, the support they've given us is been absolutely phenomenal like amazing guys wasn't the album voted one of it was it the album of the year or was it very near the top i can't quite remember it was we got admin album of the year so um the f yeah, I think the, was it those damn crows won the album? Was it? I can't. They were there was a fan album, so like the people voted, and then there was the judges, like admin. They judged on it, and they did like you know they voted, and we got admin album of the year. We also got Scotland Rock Scotland Rocks Radio's Christmas number one as well with Prey. Which still blows my mind because I'm just like, hang on, that's not even Christmassy. <laughs> like it's not. <laughs> you know, like it's like the least Christmassy song ever. Like it's about a guy stalking and killing a girl. No one ever goes, you know what? That's really about togetherness. Not the type of togetherness you need. Yeah, I mean they're together, but not in the way you want. <laughs> so yeah, it was just like so. Yeah, when we heard that, we were like, oh yeah, praise in the running for Christmas number one. We were like. What? Okay, all right then. So then the voting happened, and we were number one the whole way through. And then, uh, yeah, we were number one every week. And we were like, oh my God, we're going to win this. And then Christmas number one, that was wild. It was like, what? Okay. It's just, it still feels like a dream what's going on. Like all the people, like, coming to see us, and you're out in the street and you'll see people wearing our merch and stuff like that. Or like, People will be like, oh, yeah, it was at another band's gig and they were wearing your top. And you're just like, it's, you know, complete strangers, like, wearing it. Because, like, obviously, you're used to your friends and family, like, you know, supporting you, you know, you buy your merch and stuff like that. But then you've got, like, complete strangers and, like, people that have been started off as strangers and ended up becoming, like, a like your own little kind of, like, little family thing. Like, we've got fans that will come to every single gig. There's like a couple of them that no matter where we are, they're like, right, I'm already there. They'll travel. And the you know what? They're amazing. They're the nicest people in the world. And it's I feel like I, I like I'd be a bit lost without them because they're amazing. It's like when you see them there, you're like, oh my god, it's it's like a nice regular face, and you end up becoming friends with them and stuff like that. And it's it's super wholesome. Like um one of them got us got us all a little key ring for Christmas. 
and it was just dead nice and you know like stuff like that and you're just like well they were complete strangers like if it didn't have the band i would never have known they existed they wouldn't know we existed so it's just been it's just mad how much it's like all blown up <laughs> nice so my um penultimate question for you is what goals do you have for the band in the next six months to a year or so gig gig and gig get out get try and get more playtime abroad and stuff like that we want we'd love to play abroad one day we want to play we want to play like america we want to play like um russia again and stuff like that um and we want we want to write like we're gonna take we're taking some time to write and stuff like that we don't want to give ourselves a, a date of release because we want to um we want to make sure it's perfect because obviously homecoming did so well we've kind of got a bar now and we don't want to you know we don't want to let anyone down like we want to make sure like this is more like we want to make sure this is perfect for us and perfect for them as well like like because obviously like homecoming did ex exceeded our expectations with how well it was going to be like it blew our minds over that so we don't want to rush it because again we didn't rush homecoming so we don't want to rush the album so we're going to be writing maybe recording hopefully towards the end of the year maybe something like that but obviously gigs play festivals stuff like that we want to get out there get ourselves more known that's the that's the plan get out there maybe more merch new merch yeah we've got you know what there's so many different ideas we've got loads i was taught i was talking about cassette ideas i was like well why don't we look, we should sell cassettes that'd be sick because for some reason cassette tapes are on the rise they are <laughs> so i was like and people but yeah we've had people asking for us again and i was just like maybe so yeah probably new merch tour again right and stuff like that you know the, the normal stuff all the i'm excited <laughs> <laughs> so there's there's definitely new music coming just without any fixed date attached to it at, at all basically yeah there's no there's no fixed date but mu new music is coming um we're writing at the moment like we're still we're writing and stuff like that um so yeah it's like it's it's happening it's just we want to make sure it's ready like we want to make sure it's perfect we don't want to go right it's out in two months and then rush it and then it just sounds sloppy and you know what i mean like we want we want to do the fans justice so it's coming we don't know when though <laughs> watch this space as they say so to close out the podcast i'd like to ask for your favorite song from the band to play at the end of the episode which song is it and why oh now that's a tough question because i there's a few of them like alive again I really I love because that was a, it's a very personal one to me that one I we I wrote the lyrics to all that one because I was in a super dark place like really dark I wrote that in the middle of a mental breakdown it, it's literally just me begging for help like as a lyric so that one's always going to be up there as like a personal favorite kind of but then Air to the Throne's a bop live. I love it. I just love Air to the Throne. Every time we play that, the whole place bounces. We had Wall of Death, Smosh Pits and stuff like that. But then um, I, I love it. I don't know. I love them all. <laughs> Got to pick one. But people can go and listen to the album. So it's not just that it's one song and no one can listen to anything ever again. I'd say Air to the Throne just because it's a bop. It's proper boppy. It gets, uh, yeah. Yeah, I love Air to the Throne. So yeah, Air to the Throne. <laughs> Excellent. Well, this is Asher Meach with Air to the Throne. Kyle, it's been great to talk with you. Oh, it's been an absolute pleasure, man. Thank you so much. Get up.